It's a blowout. Eighth inning, 10-3. Bases are loaded for Verlander, who waits out the real pitch. He swings, and it's a high fly ball. Deep center field. It is gone. Home run. And a huge backflip to celebrate. All right, Ben, start the show already. What is up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Flippin' Bats. I'm your host, Ben Verlander. We got a great episode for you today. Look, we're going to start off with a new segment called Rounding the Bases, where I hit some of the hottest topics in the league, and then we're going to get to my Brett Phillips interview. Game four legend of the World Series. A lot of people have been calling him the Shohei Otani of the East Coast after his pitching performance from earlier this season. Then we're going to get into some fan voicemails where you guys call into the show, and I answer your questions. I love that part. And then we get into my favorite segment of all time this week in Shohei Otani news, and we'll finish off with uh, my producer joining me out here and doing a little who's in, who's out of the playoffs. He'll hit me with some teams, and uh, I'll discuss whether I think they will be in or they will be out. But look, let's get right into it with rounding the bases, some of the hottest topics in the league. I'll take you around the league and give you my opinion on some stuff. And we're going to start with a big topic of conversation this past week with the Cleveland Indians team name being changed to the Cleveland Guardians, as they will be known in 2022. The Cleveland Guardians. Look, when I initially heard that, my thought was kind of meh. I don't, I don't really love that. But look, I, I put a lot of thought into this, and it's impossible for, for there to be a team name for so many years, and then you get and you hear a, a new name change, and, and just to be like, oh, I love it. It is so hard to, to come up with a classic team, a, a name that sounds classic. So I've grown to appreciate the name that they are going to be called, the Cleveland Guardians. And look, I wanted to point out one thing with this logo that we have up on the screen right now. It's the logo with the baseball and the Cleveland Guardians G. One thing I thought was really cool about this logo is how the G is almost gripping the baseball like it's a fastball. And, and I didn't realize this off the top. I just kind of glanced over the name and all the logos. I really like this. And look, the Guardians isn't just a random team name for Cleveland. If you, if you look into it, there's a lot of history behind this. The bridge that actually leads you to their stadium is, is surrounded by these Guardian statues, the Guardians of Traffic, as they are known of. So there is a good bit of history behind the name. I've grown to like the logos. The, the script, the writing is the same as the current team name. So um, look... I don't love it. It is definitely going to take some getting used to. But look, it is what it is. 2022, the Cleveland Guardians will be taking the field in Cleveland. So uh, good news for them. Uh, you know, good stuff there. So heading on over to second base, the, the Giants and the Dodgers. Look, this series this past week was incredible. I, I've been telling you guys for a while now, the Giants are here to stay. Everyone was saying, Padres, Dodgers, Padres, Dodgers. The Giants are here. The Giants aren't going anywhere. They played some incredible games against the Dodgers this past week. But there were some, it wasn't without uh, its, its drama. Kenley Jansen, the, the closer for the Dodgers, blew two games. I was watching both of those games and, and it came down. They had a lead going into the ninth. He blows both the games. And uh, one was a homer. 
And, and Juani just totally fell apart. It was not pretty. He ends up not even making it out of the ninth inning. Um, and, and the Dodgers blew two leads. Two leads against the Giants. So, so they furthered their lead in the NL West. But look, one thing I wanted to really talk about here is there was a check swing in one of these games that <laughs> well, it led to all of these runs being scored. So this check swing happened with two strikes in the ninth inning with two outs and the game would have been over okay game over the check swing he actually went if you break it down you slow it down he ends up going they say no dave roberts comes out of the dugout fuming throwing his hat pointing in the guy's face very disrespectfully he gets tossed and you know what happens next of course it's what happens next two rbi single to left field game changes right there Giants end up winning the game. Kenley Jansen blows the save. The, the umpires screwed him out of a, of a win. Everybody's furious. But look, if you want to really talk about it, two pitches before was called a strike, and it was actually a ball. So look, I, I understand everybody being frustrated about this. It ended up looking really bad because he got the hit right after that. But it brought me to another point that I want to make very clear. This is one of my most hottest most passionate takes in all of baseball right now. And it has to do with that check swing that we saw. In that check swing, they actually did ask the first base umpire, did he go? He said no, the guy got the call wrong, but it got me to thinking, and it happened a few times this past week. We need to stop making the call as a home plate umpire, whether the batter swung or not. I played this game for a long, long time, and nothing got me more fired up than knowing that I didn't swing the bat, and the home plate umpire points at me and says, yes, he did, and I'd turn right back around and say, no, I didn't. Just ask the first base umpire. It's not hard. There were a few instances this week where that home plate umpire comes out and makes the call, and the batter's furious, and rightfully so. I don't even care if I did go. I just know that you can't see it behind the plate. You can't see it to make that call. And there's a guy 90 feet away that's watching me specifically just to see whether I went or not. Just ask him. And this situation in this game really got me to thinking about that. And there was another instance this week where the home plate umpire made a call when the batter did not swing. And he made the call on his own. And it was a big game-changing call. And he said, yes, he did. And it really just grinds my gears, man. I get so fired up about this. I'm tired of it. Just ask the first base umpire for help, okay? Super easy. <sighs> All right. On to third base. Your mean Mercedes of the Chicago White Sox. One of the coolest stories in all of baseball this year. He comes over to the White Sox in a, uh, in, as a Rule 5 pick, okay? Rule 5 guy. He's a little older as a rookie, and he's, he tears the league apart, absolutely destroys it, gets a hit in his first eight professional major league at-bats, eight for eight to start his career, and he just keeps tearing it up. He has an incredible first month, month and a half of the season, and then we all know what happened. We all know the story of what happened here. Tony La Russa, uh, you know, your mean Mercedes hits the 3-0 home run, and he's on top of the world, rounds the bases, game over. They, end, they, they win 50 to nothing that game, and they come back in, and Tony La Russa says, I don't love that. I, I, that will not happen again. That will not happen again under my watch. 
Um, and, and, and look, I'm not going to debate that back and forth. I, I have my opinion on it, which I've talked about here a lot. Um, but post that situation, your mean Mercedes really struggled. He really struggled. He ends up getting sent down to the minor leagues where he's there for a few months. And then it leads up to this week where your mean Mercedes, a member of the AAA team for the White Sox, says in an Instagram post, it's over. I'm done. I'm retiring. I'm leaving the game of baseball, at least for a while, is what he said. And, and it kind of sends people into a, a frenzy online. It's like, wait, what do you mean it's over? You, you were great, and then you struggled, and now you're down in the minor leagues. You're playing just fine. What do you mean it's over? Um, so it came out later. Later that night, Tony La Russa makes a statement about it and says, look, I'm, I'm, I'm going to call him. I'm, I'm going to talk to him. I believe he has a future in this game, and I'm going to call him and tell him that. And that was kind of all from that day. So in that day, your mean Mercedes announces his retirement. Tony La Russa says, no, no, no. I'm going to call him, see what I can do, talk to him. Fast forward to the very next day where your mean Mercedes unretires, announces it in his Instagram post with this phoenix rising up from the ashes like he's Michael Jordan returning saying, I'm back but your mean Mercedes with the post announcing after less than 24 hours that he is coming back and he will actually be back. And he suited up for the AAA Charlotte Knights that night and he, he was back in uniform. So all in this 24-hour span, he hinted at retirement. He retired. Tony La Russa says, what's going on here? He unretires and then he plays in the game that very next night. I have an opinion about this, obviously, and it's that, look, I, I firmly believe what Tony La Russa said to him when he was still in the major leagues and on top of the world resulted in him struggling. I truly believe that from the bottom of my heart, that he struggled because of that, and he ends up going on a downhill spiral and gets sent to the minor leagues, and then all this happens. But here's what I am here to say now. Your mean Mercedes needs to be mentally tougher. Okay, I do believe him getting told that he was in the wrong resulted in him struggling. And it was it was it's it's mental. Baseball is so mental. But for all this to happen, he needs to be tougher. And, and from my experience and look, I, I know this better than anybody. I, I played professional baseball and I couldn't separate and I couldn't get to where I needed to mentally. When I struggled, I really struggled. So I know that this game now is all about being mentally tougher than that next guy. And this is not it. This isn't being mentally tough. This is getting sent down and not being happy about it and, and pouting and, and retiring. And we gotta be mentally tougher than that. You're not gonna make it at the biggest level in the world if you can't be mentally tough and, and handle your struggles. But look, Drama, drama, drama. That's what happened this past week with your mean Mercedes. Uh, retiring, unretiring, now he's back, and we'll see if he makes it back to the big leagues like Tony La Russa said. He believes he has a future. But look, bringing this all home, the Detroit Tigers. I want to talk to you guys about the Detroit Tigers, the organization that I played in for five years that my family has been a part of for almost 20 years, it seems, eight, 18 years um, the Tigers are in a really good place right now. And look, they don't have the best roster on paper. They weren't expected to compete this year. But you know what they're doing? They're competing. 
and they came out of the All-Star break winning seven straight games, and they became fun to watch. And it got me to thinking, why? What, what, how is this happening? How is this happening right now? And you know why? It's, it's, because of the top, it's because of the guy at the top leading this team. A.J. Hinch comes over, um, comes over to the Tigers this, after this offseason, and, and he is leading this team incredibly. And we talked to Michael Fulmer, friend of the podcast earlier this year, and asked him about A.J. Hinch, and he just said it's different. It just feels different what he's doing. Uh, and you can see it. This team shouldn't be winning games, but they are. And, and it makes me so excited for the future of this team because for so many years, we were told the future of this team is close. The pitching staff is going to lead the way. We have our guys coming. We have our guys coming. They're here. And that's the coolest part of all this is for so many years, the pitching staff was coming. And that's what fans had to look forward to. And now they're here. Guys like Scooble and, and Matt Manning and Casey Mize, they're doing incredible at the big league level. And you have them led by A.J. Hinch. And now it's gone from the pitching is the future. And just trust us. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. You can see it. You get to see it now. You can see it happening. And now what we're being told is the future of the offense is coming. Just trust us. The future is coming of the offense. And this is what gets me more excited than, than anything. Spencer Torkelson, Riley Green, Dingler. These guys are coming. And, and they're not just like guys that have turned themselves into prospects. They're big-time guys that I am telling you right now are going to be all-stars at the big league level. Spencer, Spencer Torkelson is 1-1 in the draft. First overall pick out of Arizona State, an absolute stud. Riley Green was the fifth overall pick, a high school guy. Goes and gets it better in the outfield than people that I've seen in a long time. And he rakes at the plate. These guys are the real deal. And they have the right guy leading the helm in Detroit right now in A.J. Hinch. If you aren't excited about the future of the Detroit Tigers organization, then the only explanation for that is you're a fan of of somebody else in the AL Central. Because this team is going to be fun, in my opinion, they aren't one year away. In my opinion, they are two years away from being a playoff team. Next, this year, we're seeing it. We're seeing the glimpse of, glimpses of what's to come. Next year, we're going to get to see those guys. Those guys like Torkelson and Green make their debuts. I don't know if they'll make the team right off the jump, but they're close. And at some point next year, they're going to be there. And then two years away from from really becoming that team where it all meshes together and you have A.J. Hinch and this new young pitching staff and these new young guys. And then you look like, then you're, a, you know, you add a piece, a veteran piece. Who knows? Maybe my brother. That'd be awesome. But they are close. The Detroit Tigers are coming. And it is so exciting to watch them as a guy that played in that organization and, and knows a lot of guys in that organization. Um, it's really, really exciting to see. And they come out of the All-Star break winning seven games and, and pushing themselves up towards the top of this division. But it's the future, future of these guys that makes me super excited. And speaking of the future of the Detroit Tigers, let's get right into this week's Twitter poll that we asked you guys at Pod on Twitter. We asked, which rebuilding franchise is going to make the playoffs first? We gave you four options, the Detroit Tigers, 
the Seattle Mariners, the Baltimore Orioles, and the Miami Marlins. So let's take a look at the vote and the poll and see who won. And at the top of the list, and I totally agree with this, the Detroit Tigers won with 37.1% of the vote. The Seattle Mariners were just after that in second place with 33.1%. The Miami Marlins in third and the lowly Baltimore Orioles with only 6% of the vote. I couldn't agree more with this, guys. We absolutely nailed this. And you know the reason that I think the Detroit Tigers are the right answer for this. I just talked about them. What I want to talk about here is the Seattle Mariners and why I agree with this and why I think it's neck and neck with the Detroit Tigers. I think their time frames are very similar. I am all in on this uh, Seattle Mariners rebuild and how close they are to being really good. You look at guys like Jared Kelenic, who's a top prospect in all of baseball, who I get it. He's struggled coming out of the gates in his major league career. He went on an 0 for 40 something stretch and then got a hit and then proceeded to go on another 0 for 21 stretch. He's struggling, but he is a future all-star in this league, in my opinion. He has all the tools you could possibly want out of a top prospect, and it's not just him. They have plenty of guys. Julio Rodriguez is another guy coming up that is a stud. I'm telling you guys, this is going to be a future stud in the league. The Miami Marlins, I get it. I heard you guys. You said the Miami Marlins. They made the playoffs last year. The Miami Marlins are in the middle of a rebuild. I'm here to tell you, but I think they're doing it right. I agree with what they're doing. They got Kim Ang at the top, their GM, who's doing an incredible job leading them into the right direction. So I'm totally fine with that, with them being in third place. But I'm here to tell you, they are in the middle of a rebuild. They're not very good. Uh, half the league made the playoffs last year. So look, I hear you. But literally half of the league made the playoffs last year, and the Marlins were one of those teams. But look, this is all about those top two teams. I truly believe that their timelines are fairly similar. I said it before this year even started that I think the Seattle Mariners are 2025 World Series champs. And it was kind of a joke, but it's kind of serious. That This is the time frame they're both on. But I don't want to talk about four years down the road because these two teams are not four years down the road from being good. These two teams are two years away from being very, very good. The Detroit Tigers are, tw are a 2023 playoff team. And the Mariners, they're already showing you what they got. They're playing well above 500 ball. They're surprising a lot of people. And, and they're already really good. These teams are close. And I love the results of this poll with the Tigers being number one and the Mariners being right on their heels at number two. Because that's truly how I believe uh, this time's out. And I truly believe their timelines are very close. So thank you guys for voting on this week's Twitter poll. It's just another way for you guys to get involved with the show. So if you aren't, follow Flippin' Bats Pod on Twitter and weekly. We do these polls that we give you guys, you vote, and then we talk about it on the show. So like I said, just another way for you guys to be involved. And thank you for voting on this week's poll, which was which rebuilding team will make the playoffs first. But speaking of the playoffs, let's get into this week's conversation with a guy that, that stole the show in the playoffs last year. Game four legend, Brett Phillips. So let's get into my conversation this week with Brett. Brett, thank you so much for joining me, my friend. Ben, what's up, brother? I appreciate you having me on here with you. How are you doing? I'm doing great, man. Hey, before I get into it, normally we start with, with trivia. Um, but I, I, I'm going to start with the All-Star game because I just saw you 
recently at the All-Star Game, and I actually didn't know you were going to be there. So I'm out on the, the purple carpet, and I look over, and there's this guy dressed to the nines, looking like a legend. And, and I first see him, and I look over because all these mascots are coming out, and of course, Brett's there, like checking for their credentials, and that's how, that's how I realized you were there. You're sitting there, like checking the credentials of all these mascots. But what a fun time that was! Yeah, you know that's what I do. Obviously, make sure everyone's in the right place first of all. But second of all, I, I wouldn't have been looking so good if it wasn't for MLB hiring me a personal stylist. They had to go out <laughs> into the world and find the best one possible to uh, kind of dress me up. You know, the saying goes, you can dress me up, but you can't take me out. And uh, luckily I, I appreciate you noticing the, the swag that I was, uh, was, was presenting. Um, but thanks to MLB for my, my stylist. There was lots of it. There was lots of it, but Hey, look, so we, we Brett and I, right before this interview started, we're talking about these jerseys I have up in the background here on my set. And one of them is my jersey, Verlander, number 32. And it's got all it's got an old Dominion sticker. It's got a PlayStation 5 in there. And Brett goes, and I quote, yeah, I don't have any Ben Verlander jerseys in my house. Just, you know, World Series walk-off jerseys. Just throwing the shade right at me. You know, I'm going to be honest. That Ben Verlander jersey would look really good right next to the Brett Phillips walk-off in the World Series jersey. So uh, maybe after the show, we can hook something up, swap, jersey swap. You know how they're doing like the, the NBA. In the NBA, we'll do, we'll do a jersey swap. <laughs> yeah, let's do a jersey swap. <laughs> All right. So we got, we got some trivia questions for you. We got a leaderboard. Nick Castellanos is actually at the top with nine correct. All right. So you got 60 seconds, career questions. Let's see how good you do. All right. Oh, man. You might as well put me at the bottom. All right, here we go. Who was your first career home run against? Uh, Jeremy Hellickson. Who was your first career hit against? Jeff Samarja. First career strikeout against? Jeff Samarja. Uh, where did you bat in your first MLB at bat in the lineup? Number eight. Uh, what was your jersey number in your debut? 33. Who batted behind you in your debut? Oh, uh, Junior Junior Guerrero, the pitcher. Yep. Where was your first away game? Uh, Arizona Diamondbacks. Who were the two starting pitchers in your MLB debut? Junior Guerra versus Jeff Samarja. What's your longest career hitting streak? Three days. Three games. Only career postseason hit against. Oh, Kenley Jansen. <laughs> there it is, and that's time. Dude, you didn't, give yourself, you didn't give yourself enough credit. Tied there at the top. So, one, you didn't give yourself enough credit because you did great. Also, you didn't give yourself enough credit on your hitting streak because it's five games, not three. Oh, five games? Put me in the Hall of Fame. You're a legend. An absolute legend. <laughs> you know, I only, I only got all those answers correct because, you know, I, I haven't been in the league as long as the, probably the guys you've interviewed. They're probably thinking back like 10 years. I'm thinking back, you know, just a year or two. So I, I remember finished. that postseason hit. It just happened. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So I want to ask you a question about being uh, something I overheard on the red carpet, not because I was eavesdropping, but because you were literally right next to me. And, and Dave Roberts comes up to you and you introduce yourself as, hello, Brett Phillips, game four hero. 
Tell me, tell me about that question between you and, or that conversation between you and Dave Phillips or Dave Roberts right there. You know, that was probably one of my favorite interactions of the world <laughs> of the all-star game. I see him coming down with his family. Um, he comes up to us. He knows Xavier. He looks at me. He doesn't know me. Um, <laughs> rightfully so, you know, um, and I, I introduce myself. Hey, Dave, how's it going? Brett Phillips here, game four hero. And he just absolutely exploded in the best way possible. I, I, I think he said something along the lines of like, you know, that was the worst night of my life. You <laughs> airplane out there, like worst game I've ever been a part of. And I just was full, like filled with joy in that moment. Um, and, you know, it was all fun and games. Obviously they won the world series. Uh, shout out to them. But in that moment right there, it was, it was just uh comical the the reaction i'm glad you got to witness it well yeah i look over and you literally have dave roberts do he's like doing the airplane right next to you explaining the situation <laughs> yeah i mean you couldn't have given he couldn't have given me a better reaction so that's what it's all about yeah so i, I want to talk about uh i often ask guys about the minor leagues because it's it's what i experienced and i know how much of a grind it can be um, and, it, and it always is. And it's very unique to baseball because nobody just gets drafted and goes straight to the big league. So everybody has some, some minor league stories along the way. What's a minor league story that you remember that, that you'll like remember for the rest of your life? Oh, man. I mean, there's so many. I think I've got eight seasons in the minor leagues. And I always tell everyone I'm, what I'm most proud about of my career is my time in the minor leagues. I think when guys get to the big leagues – they forget a little bit about the, you know, the grind and what kind of molded them into the big league players that they are. Uh, for me, I have, I've, you know, remembered almost every part of my minor league time, whether it was good <laughs> or bad. Uh, as for one story that sticks out in my mind, um, I mean, I don't necessarily have any crazy stories. I just remember being in like Lancaster, California, um, where it was, I think the only time ever a game has been winded out because <laughs> it's like 40 miles per hour, 40 mile per hour winds, right? That's like, I live in Florida. That's hurricane. That's like category one winds. <laughs> and it was, it was just out in the desert and we got winded out, like not rained out, <laughs> like <laughs> just something that only happens in the minor leagues. And I, I could sit here and talk to you about every, like each year, you know, something weird. I, I mean, chasing a <laughs> possum off the field in Biloxi and almost getting bit like there's <laughs> like, things that don't happen at the big league level. Right. Like you have to take in your own, your own hands in the minor leagues, but um, you know, I probably just a few, just to name off the top. How do you, and, and I always wonder this because I, you know, that that's the highest level I made it is the minor leagues. And no matter how successful or you know, if you're an all-star or a Hall of Famer or not at the big league level, you still made it. And there's still something to be said about that because when I was coming up through the minor leagues, you know, I would have some success, but I would also really struggle. And, and mentally, baseball just can, can eat you alive. How did you, 
how would you handle the failures? Because I remember days walking up to the plate and your stats are right in front of you on this huge scoreboard and there's nothing you can do about it. You go 0 for 4, you see it happen. You go 0 for 20 and you see your stats like dwindle. How, how would you handle yourself mentally in the minor leagues to get to a place where you could rebound quickly and ultimately be where you are now? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think every minor leaguer and big leaguer has struggled with this feeling. Um, I call it more so performance anxiety because we want to perform so bad. We're very competitive. We're professional athletes. We want to make everyone around us proud. But at the end of the day, you know, we have to understand that this game is hard. And I credit my mom a ton. Um, I get my go happy, go lucky, kind of shake things off, have gator skin. These are all things that she's implanted <laughs> into my sister and I growing up. Uh, so, you know, just each day kind of flipping, flipping the page, right? Like regardless if I went over four or four for four, the next day's a new day and I have to, you know, make the most of it, take advantage of that day and put yesterday behind me. That's so and, much you know, easier said than done mindset. though. So much easier said um, than done. Yeah. And again, we're, we're professional athletes. And we're super competitive. And, you know, that 0 for 4 day, uh, it, it's a little more magnified at the big league level. But, you know, even in the in the minor leagues, that's still professional baseball. You're going to feel some type of way about that. But you have to really try your best to flip the page day to day. So then you, you, you grind your way up to the minor leagues. You're there for ever, eight years. And so the day you get the call, and you find out you're going to the big leagues. Talk to me about that day. I want to know about that day. I never got that day. You grinded through the minor leagues. I want to know about that day. I'm going to tell you what, it was special. Uh, it was the best day of my life. And I wish I could go back and tell myself to be more level-headed and, and be like, you know, you haven't made it yet. Because Making it to the big leagues is one thing, but I know you've heard this time after time, staying is the hardest thing to do. And I got called up for a few days because Travis Shaw was having a baby. So, <laughs> you know, it was like so exciting, but at the same time, I knew I was going back to AAA a, a few days later. But in that moment of getting called up, I thought that I, everything was going to be okay in the world. And that wasn't the case, <laughs> you know, being optioned over 10 times throughout my career, um, grinding back and forth. But, you know, at that moment in time, hearing the call, calling my parents, telling everyone that has supported me, I think I made like 60, 70 phone calls, just thanking people uh, who have had an impact in my career. That was uh an unbelievable moment, something I'll, I'll remember forever, but I wish I could go back and be like, Hey, it's, it, you know, it's not over, you know, like not everything in the world is going to be okay because you made it to the big leagues now. Um, all right. So you have, in my opinion, the best laugh in, in the game. So what I want to ask you about your laugh, and for those of you that haven't seen it or heard it, just like YouTube it or something, it's incredible. Do you, does it ever get annoying with people like forcefully trying to make you laugh? Because I know that has to happen. Like they'll ask you yes, about your laugh and then they'll you. like read you jokes. And I'm like, this is like painful. Like stop trying to make it happen. Does it ever get annoying? 
Thank you so much for bringing that up. Thank you. Uh, yes, 100%. Especially when I'm about to go play a Major League Baseball game <laughs> and someone says, hey, I have a joke for you. Like, probably the worst time ever to try and get me to laugh. I, I'm not going to laugh. Um, you know, I appreciate everyone who, who loves my laugh. Um, it's something that I've, I've had since childhood. Like, my mom's has home videos of me laughing like that. <laughs> um, but... <laughs> You know, and it's something that I just have to live with. Uh, but yeah, not the best time to try and get me to laugh before a baseball game. But again, thank you for, you know, for thinking it's funny and, and liking it. But <laughs> time and place, right? Time and place. A hundred percent. And I'll be sitting there like watching, watching an interview or something. And then people like pull out this list of dad jokes. And I'm just like, guys, <laughs> just like. Let it, let it happen. I mean, please don't, I don't want to watch this. Don't make it so painful for me. So I had, that's what I, that's all I wanted to ask is there's gotta be times where it's like, please, please no, like just not the time. And, and I was right. Who knew? I was right. Yeah. Yeah. And the truth is, you know, it's a, it's a belly laugh. And I think everyone has their own belly laugh. That's like something that is super funny. <laughs> you probably get it once a month where you're just uncontrollably right. laughing. You're like, at, at the end of that sentence, you're like, I haven't laughed like that in a while. So thank you. <laughs> like that is that laugh. It, it, it's not forced. It has to be something right. funny, funny. Exactly. And it actually, I, I saw it the other day in person where on the purple carpet, Liam Hendricks was actually trying, like trying to make it happen. And he did. And he points over at your wife, Brie, and goes, Brie, I made it happen. I got him. And she goes, you got him? And you're just over there like uncontrollable. And I'm like, this is incredible. All right. This yeah, is Liam, Liam actually made it happen. Um, you know, he, he, he was being, he was just being, a, uh, whatever. But um, he, he said that when he gets an at-bat in the big leagues, he's going to wear the double ear flap in honor of me. <laughs> but the way he said it in his Australian accent just had me absolutely rolling because he said it straight face and caught me by surprise. <laughs> and next thing you know, I'm, I'm bent over. I can't breathe. And, yeah, the, the rest, you know, as they say, is history. Why do you wear that double ear flap? That's one of the coolest things I thought about being a big leaguer is the, the single flap. Why, do you, why don't you do it? Yeah, I wish I could stay here and be like, oh, I'm doing it for all the minor leagues grinding out there. But <laughs> then it's, it's purely for comfort. Um, if you watch, there's like one guy per team that every time they run, their helmet pops off. And you're just like, yo, get a smaller helmet or like do something yeah. about it. Like that big league helmet just does not fit my head. And I'm not trying to get smoked in the head on like a triple or if I'm stealing and I get smoked in the ear because my helmet flew off like that, that helmet just doesn't fit me. So I wear the minor league helmet, A, because comfort and B, for safety. And I know I look like a nerd out there and I look like a clown, but you people got to realize like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this for so I, you know, avoid an injury. Yeah, I, I also feel like you have good hair, but I feel like everybody that has their helmet pop off has it ready. Like, they know their helmet's popping off during the game, and their hair just looks pristine. Like, Ozzy Albies, every time he runs the bases, his helmet pops off, and it's like, he, he's like, yeah, of course it did. I look great. So that's, <laughs> that's part of it is, like, you're just, you're, your show hair isn't quite ready, so you just got to keep it on for comfort. Makes sense.
Yeah, you know, when I get to that level, uh, I'm still working on finding different products right. to put in my hair. Maybe when, when I have that show hair to a T, then I'll wear the big league helmet a, a game to show it off, you know, because I know yeah. the helmet's going to fly off. Speaking of show hair, I've had uh, Tyler Glass now on. He's actually the first guest of the show, and I asked him about his hair and what he puts in it. And the answer just really pissed me off, Brett. It just really <laughs> pissed me off. Because his answer was like, I don't know, that like two for one that everybody has in the showers. And I'm like, are you kidding me? The answer to your hair is the two for one in every shower in a locker room in history? Listen, I've called multiple guys out for putting that two for one, that five for one, <laughs> that three for yeah. one in their hair when they have good hair. It's unacceptable. You know, you need some Pantene. You Correct. need some separate shampoo, some separate conditioner. Because people who don't have that hair are going to look to you to make sure you take care of it, Correct. right? It, because it's you have a priority. When you have that nice of hair, you have a priority to keep it looking nice for people who don't have that hair. Yeah, that's a great point. That's a great point, bro. That's <laughs> all you do is make great points. Um, so you've been at the, at the big league level on multiple different teams and a part of all these moves and acquisitions. What is that like to be like, I, I I can't understand it. You're a big leaguer. You have an established life. You have your your wife or girlfriend or fiance at the time, whatever it may be. And then it's just up and moving. And it's not the same for for like this a top prospect and a guy that's on top of the world. It's it's different in in your shoes. And you're literally upping your life and moving. What has that process been like for you, going from the Brewers to the Royals and and to the to the Rays? Yeah, so, you know, it actually started with Houston in double A. I get traded over to Milwaukee. I'm in Corpus Christi. Uh, my, my girlfriend, Bree, at the time, she's living in Texas. We're, we're enjoying being in Texas. And then, boom, I'm headed to Biloxi, uh, Mississippi, <laughs> where, you know, now it's like, okay, I get to see Bree once a month. And then, you know, being in Milwaukee, up and down. And then I'm in Colorado Springs. I get traded to Kansas city. And next thing you know, I'm in New York city playing against the Yankees, which was <laughs> very overwhelming and exciting at the same time because Colorado Springs and Yankee stadium similar. Well, I've always different. said fairly, if you know, they're neck and neck, but probably given the edge to Yankee stadium, you got to give the edge just a little to Yankee stadium. And then, uh, and then, of course, last year I'm in Chicago playing the White Sox with Kansas City, and it's an off day. And then, boom, I get traded to my hometown, which was th the most exciting and best thing that's ever happened to not only you know my wife and myself, but my family and friends. Uh, this is the Tampa Bay Rays is the team that I grew up rooting for. It's my hometown team. And the best part, Ben, I get to sleep in my own bed. This is my house that I've had since 2018. Um, I'm living, I'm living at home. I'm 20 minutes away from the stadium. But to answer your question, you know, it's bittersweet because you develop all these relationships and friendships with guys that you've grinded with. Yeah. And then boom, you're, you're on to another team where you're, you know, yeah. you're, it's, it's, it's tough because, yeah. um, I mean, so many different external distractions and, and you know, points I could bring up. Yeah. But, um, exciting and bittersweet. Are you are you boys with Nikki Lopez at all? Nikki, one of one of my favorite teammates. I love Nikki. I'm good friends with Nikki. 
Yeah, he's awesome. You have him on the show yet? I haven't, but I feel like you guys are like <clears throat> similar, like humor wise. That's why I feel like we all, you know, like we all get along just because like Nikki is just like a goober and he's incredible. He's like such a good guy. So I didn't know. I, I figured your paths crossed at some point, but I didn't know if y'all were close. Yeah, Nikki and I get along great. And I know I just met you, but I feel like, you know, we're going to have to kick it. Right. Because, uh, that 32 Verlander jersey needs to go on my wall. Right, and I'll so take I'm the... I'm going to be friends, friends with you just for that reason. Right, the, you know, you mentioned being in your home in Tampa. You get to sleep in your own bed, and you're going to have a Verlander 32 jersey there, and I'm going to get the Game 4 walk-off <laughs> jersey, and it'll be an even trade. <laughs> jersey swaps. Um, all right, so then you end up in Tampa, where you are now, and I, I need to ask you ab about the Rays. Like, what, what is it that... I feel like the Rays are always a team that are that are not expected to win a bunch of games. And then when they do, like when you guys won all these games last year, you it, it wasn't like hot at the right time because people would say when you beat everybody in the playoffs, oh, you know, they, they were hot and just won the playoffs. No, you guys were the best team in the American League and in the playoffs and ended up in the World Series all year long. But you look at the team you look at the roster and you never expect them to be like the 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 best team you always expect them to be good but not great and you're always great how brett how what is it with that culture there or whatever it may be that makes you guys so good yeah i'll give you the secret sauce you know and it starts off with eric neander the gm letting kevin cash you know do his things kevin cash down to the players is gonna let you be yourself. Okay, that's number one. How do we take 26 guys, right? How do we manage a pers the personalities, the egos to come together for one job? That's to have fun and win. Literally, there is zero rules. Everyone's professional. And Kevin Cash just lets Brett Phillips be Brett Phillips which is going to ultimately translate into success and performance for the Tampa Bay Rays and so on down the line. There, there aren't um, restrictions. Um, there aren't boundaries put around players. So when kids get called up like Wander Franco, Bruhan, Taylor Walls, they're going to be able to fit in. They're not going to feel like, you know, they're not going to feel the anxiety or looking over their shoulder or feeling like they have to have their head in their locker because a veteran guy is going to be on them every single second of the day, telling them that they have to be in the, in the, in the batting cage early before they get in the batting cage. And so there's none of that there. Like, so you can literally put that aside and performance is going to allow it to come out earlier. And, you know, I, I'm, that's what it comes down to. You just have a, a great group of guys who have bought into Kevin Cash's philosophy, and here we are, you know, to, uh, I mean, they've done it for a few years now, and I mean, it's, it's just yeah. awesome to be a part of. It's incredible, and you mentioned Wander Franco, who was the number one prospect in all of baseball. What is it, like, can you tell, is there, like, the, the second you, you watch him play, and, and get to play with the number one prospect in baseball as a guy that had a complete opposite journey and just grinded through the minors and grinded your way up. And then here you have the number one prospect in baseball that's literally still wearing braces and is a stud at the big league level. What, like, what is it like playing with him? Could you tell immediately that this kid's a stud? 
Yeah, I saw that in spring training. It was the first time playing with him, and I knew that this kid, his label of being the number one prospect was true. You and I both know prospect status doesn't always translate to success. I mean, uh, the prospect rankings a lot of times is how, how much they got paid in the draft and, and how much money they were given in free agency, and that's where they're going to be on the prospect list. But this guy is elite, and, you know, it's just been exciting playing you know seeing these kids come up and having success right away um it's something that I didn't have and you know I I wish that I had but you know them doing it <laughs> them doing it is 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 good enough for me and you know I'm just we're, we're having a great time and you know they're allowed to be themselves which is yeah. huge absolutely huge for them and I'm just so glad that you know they were with the Tampa Bay Rays when they got called up because who knows if that stuff's still going on in other teams with like the hierarchy and the veteran player. Oh, it absolutely is. You know, like it point is point his finger and make sure everyone's doing yeah. that. Like, come on, like let's, let's, let's come together. You know, Bruhan, Franco, those guys are just as important as Kevin Kiermeyer, who's making the most in, in, you know, the pit, the young pitchers on our team are just as important right. as Rich Hill. And everyone knows that. So that's how we come together and play as a team, and that's how we're good. Yeah. What is what is if you if you were just sitting back and scouting Wander Franco, what's his best trait? Like, what's his number one trait? You think his bat to ball skills is elite. I, I mean, it's not often you're gonna watch him take a swing without at least fouling the ball off. Yeah. Um. He's got. He just has that. Like, I'm not saying he's going to hit the ball hard every single time, but you, you, you're going to see contact. And again, something I wish I, I was able to do. <laughs> yeah. Um, you mentioned Kevin Cash and how he lets you guys be yourself. But I, I need to ask you, you, you got to be yourself recently and, and your pitching performance on the mound. And I actually, I, I talked about it at the end of the show uh recently which you had you had seen when i talked to you on the purple carpet and now you're a friend of the friend of the show brett phillips friend of the show has my jersey in his house soon um i need to ask you about that pitching performance because i i loved it and and as a i got to pitch in two occasions in the in the minor leagues and it's like my my favorite i loved every second of it but you your, your experience, just from the second you were stretching in the bullpen, doing all these like hot yoga poses out there and doing all this stuff, and, and then coming into the game, talk to me about this performance and when you realized that like, you, that's how you were going to go about it and you weren't going like, to like, do it 100% quote, like this, this super serious way. <laughs> yeah, so by far the most fun I've ever had playing baseball. <laughs> baseball is fun, you know. So Kevin Cash comes up to me in the seventh. We're losing 10 to one. Hey, can you can you pitch for us? Yeah, of course. Um, he's like, don't get hurt. Just throw the ball over the plate. And I said, all right. So I hadn't done anything. I hadn't stretched or anything. Uh, so I run down on the bullpen. And I'm be completely honest with you, Ben. I did not know that there were cameras in the bullpen. Like, I, like that didn't crossed my mind that there were cameras on me so like when I was doing all that stuff I was more so a stretching but b making like my teammates the laugh. bullpen guys laugh 
the bull, yeah, the bullpen guys left. Like I didn't know until I got back to my phone and I saw twenty thousand new followers, and I'm I'm looking at my phone saying what's going on, and I I'm seeing the video of me warming up, and I I was like, no, you didn't, like exposed Ben exposed in four K, like the cool kids would say these days. Yes, the cool. So kids. you know, I I go out there um, talking to Teoscar Hernandez before the inning. You guys saw me yelling at him basically letting him know you've got no chance. Like, I know you're an all-star, but listen, you've never seen a pitcher like me. <laughs> so I run out there, ultimate warrior style, like all business. And I, I told Stan, our bull that I want to throw one at least like 80, 85%. So I go out there and um, who was the first batter? Gosh, I forget. I forget who it was. I was like telling him, hey, back up. <laughs> and he, he didn't know what I was saying. Obviously, he's never had a pitcher tell him. <laughs> Just move up, off the so. plate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, move off the plate. So I let one ride like 94. And I, it was probably 85, 90%. Okay, I, time I out, Brett. Time out. 85% is not 94 miles an hour. I Look. That was not 85%. If, if, if that's your math, you're saying you got like 100. You got 100 in the tank. I think I, I, think I got around 100 in the tank. <laughs> Probably not 100. Maybe 95, 96. But anyways, I didn't want to smoke them like that. Oh, Jonathan Davis, that's who it was. Like I would have felt so bad if like I threw it as hard as I could. And I just squared up like a position player squaring a position player up. Like that's probably the worst look ever. Right. So thank God it didn't go in that direction. And then I showed ranges. I come down to 47 just to let everyone know I've got both, you know, that's, that's quite the range that like, if, if you're a batter, you don't want to face that. Even if you like said, Hey, I'm just going to keep throwing 47 the rest of the time. The fact that they know, they know even next time you step on the mound, you don't even need to show it again. They know. And mentally, mentally, you already have the edge over them, in my opinion. Yeah, as a hitter, you have to respect that, right? Like this guy sh has shown 94, and then he's throwing 47, but at any time, a fireball is coming at you. Exactly. And you have to respect that as a hitter. What? So here's, here's how my my – pitching outing went in the minor leagues I, I i get told i'm playing right field and we're losing like 17 to 1 to the, the braves like high a team and i come in the dugout and and my manager goes hey who who wants to pitch and obviously i'm like yeah me 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 like i i pitched in college like my last name gets it like i can do this trust me so <laughs> so so i go back out to right field and the inning ends, and I go pitch in the bullpen. And, Brett, I swear to God I was throwing 105 miles an hour in the bullpen. I swear on it. Oh, I just yeah, know I sure. was. I know I was. So I come out to the game, and, and I, I start throwing. Well, actually, I had to hit that inning. So I go to right field. I throw in the bullpen, like, five pitches. I'm like, cool, I'm throwing 102. I'm going to go hit now. I punch, I punch out at the plate because, of course, I did. And then I go out to the mound, and I'm like, all right, this is going to be great. I'm going to do great. And I struck out the first guy on three pitches, looking. I touched 91. Not bad. It's not 94, but I was throwing 91. And then this guy comes up to the plate, 
I get them 0-2. So I've thrown five straight strikes, like pain in the corners. I feel great. And I'm like, maybe I really am throwing 103. And then <laughs> I shake off my catcher to throw a curveball. Because I like I, I pitch, like I can throw a curveball. I know what I'm doing. Yeah. I throw the best curveball of my life, of all time. And it's like an inch off the ground. The guy swings, hits a laser double off the opposite field wall. And I'm like, who is this guy? That guy's Ronald Acuna. Pretty good player. No way. Yeah. Yeah. That so it is makes, awesome. That it is makes, such a sick story. I want to see that. <laughs> it makes me feel better about like, I'm like, I just threw the best curveball of my life. Who is this guy? And this guy ends up being like the greatest player the game's seen since Shohei Otani. So after that outing, were they like, okay, hey, you want to explore pitching or? No, I, I come back in the dugout and, and my manager's like, I said 75%. And I was like, yeah, okay. You had to know, like we're losing 17 to one. I'm like, I'm like, 25 grinding it out in single a like i'm letting it eat like come on i'm not i'm i'm not I'm so proud of you. Here. thank you thank you well i yes. was proud of you which is why i felt like i felt the connection with your performance because like you just you let it eat you and see this awesome. pitchers complimenting pitchers it's just a beautiful sight. it's thank a beauty you. professional pitchers complimenting professional pitchers and professional. doing a jersey swap just it's a it's a poetic life lesson I, for those out there <laughs> thank you um, all right, so I have a question for you, and I want you to put yourself in the shoes of a commissioner for this. If you were commissioner for a day and you could change or implement one rule for the betterment of the game of baseball and to make the game better and more fun, what would that rule be? Shirts versus skins. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Brilliant. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I'm sure you've heard answers like, oh, take out the shift. Uh, I'm not going to say that. Uh, yeah, I, I've heard anywhere uh, you know, from take out you know, the shift I, to a 500-foot homer should count as two home runs. Like, it's been all over the map. Okay, I've got one. Hit me. Okay, so if you're coming up to bat and before the game, the pitcher and the hitters agree, like, if you want music during your at bat, you both have to agree, mm -hmm. right? So like an NBA game where they're playing music during the game. So say I'm facing you, Ben, and you uh, before the game say, yes, I'll, I can have music going during right. the at bat. And then as a hitter, I, so like my walk-up song would be playing during the at bat. I think that would be uh, really cool if like both sides agree, you know? But if, if the pitcher agrees to it, now hear me out here, because I, I feel like this we're close to something and this could happen. If the pitcher agrees to this, why does it get to be your walk-up song? Like, wouldn't he get a song to be played? Yeah, so if you punch me out, then the next, mm -hmm. like whoever won that meeting, it starts <laughs> out as the home side, right? So it, whoever wins yep. that meeting, the That's next it. at bat, it would be your song. That's it. We just figured it out. We just figured it out. I love. I think, it. I, honestly, I think that would be that would be cool. I think the fans would <laughs> would like that. Um, just some some music going on. Yeah. You know, during the at bat. I agree. The NBA does it. Like, why can't why can't baseball? I, I agree. Um, all right. So some career moment questions for you. I ask everybody these same three questions. Career moment questions. First would be, what was your like welcome to the big leagues moment? Oh, when I got on the show flight, the first time walking, uh, a pulling up to um, the tarmac, 
where the plane is, right? Not going through security and then walking onto the plane in Milwaukee, they had like, first I was greeted with Chick-fil-A, right? <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'll take a chicken sandwich. Oh, thank you. Um, it's, it's my pleasure, right? It's my walking pleasure. Down my the pleasure. Plane, having, having every single snack possible, like fruit on this side, chips on this side, candy over here. You want chocolate cake? Yeah, let me get a chocolate cake, right? So like packing my snack bag of snacks down the aisle. I sit down, I eat my chicken sandwich, I'm having my grapes, I finish with my <laughs> peanut M&Ms, and then the, the uh, flight attendant comes up to me, hey, um, what would you like for an appetizer? We got grilled shrimp, we got mozzarella <laughs> sticks. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, let me get some mozzarella sticks. Thank you so much. All right, I eat my mozzarella sticks, we take off. 20 minutes later, hey, we're about to serve our, our, uh, our, our full course meal what? <laughs> yes, please. Can I get a steak with the veggies? Um, that, that would be amazing. Thank you so much. And then to finish the night on the way down to where we're landing, we've got ice cream. We've got warm cookies and milk. Yes. A warm chocolate chip cookie and, and a glass of milk would be amazing. <laughs> and then I landed at least 20 pounds heavier. Yeah. So how much I did said, you eat on this flight? <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking around. No one else is ordering anything, right? Like no one else is eating it. I'm, I'm literally eating it all. <laughs> and then I quickly learned like, yeah, don't do that. Like you don't need that much food. But I, think it, I was just so excited. And it was like my welcome to like being a big leaguer. That, that's one of the incentives, something you work towards and you get, you get treated like, and it's available for you. But, you know, as you mature and, and go through, it's like, okay, you don't need all that food. Well, I mean, were, were you as, were you better dressed on your first show flight or were you better dressed on the purple carpet in Denver last week? Uh, way better dressed on, on the purple carpet. Um, you know, shout out to Eric Sogard. He was the first guy to give me a sport coat. Um, <laughs> it was actually one of his. I didn't have one and it was something that was required on the show flight in Milwaukee. And so uh, thank you, Eric Sogard for, I still have it. I still wear it, appreciate you. Um, all right, so what is your favorite play that you've made on the field in your career? Um, is, is hitting a home run considered or like a play out in defense? We can, whatever you want to be considered, we can consider. All right, so funny story. My first home run came in Milwaukee. Matt Garza's through five. His spot's coming up in the lineup. This is my first time playing in the National League, playing in the big leagues in general. And I'm like down in the batting cage by myself, hitting off the tee, kind of like listening to some music, not paying attention, and everyone's looking for Brett Phillips to pinch it. <laughs> like, I don't know, I don't know why the last spot. Um, they looked was in the batting cage, but Ben, <laughs> when I tell you I ran from the batting cage to the plate, it was like full on sprint. You're up right now. I, I put my batting gloves on. There's a guy on first <laughs> Matt Garza's let up one run through five. He's, he's thrown a gym and I don't even think I took a, a warm up swing and I, Jeremy Hellickson, Throws me a curveball. Oh, oh. 
uh, for a ball, and then he throws a chain off, and I, I hit a two-run homer to go ahead, and I come back in the dugout. I get the curtain call, first home run, <laughs> and Pat, <laughs> Pat Murphy comes up to me and says, if we ever can't find you ever again, you're, going, you're heading back to AAA. I was just like, yes, sir. Sorry. <laughs> like I, I was like so rattled. <laughs> Wait, that was your first big league homer? B- first big league homer, pinch hit homer. That is a great story. I, and I thought you were going to say when you got back, he was like, if we ever can't find you again, I'm just going to pinch hit you because it worked out well. But no, he said, if we ever can't find you again, you're gone. <laughs> Yeah, so that in that moment, I learned like, hey, I have to let everyone know where I was going. When you're on the bench, if you're going to the bathroom, <laughs> let someone know. Like, like if you're going to the batting cage, let someone know because in the National League, especially, there's so many moving parts throughout the game. They have to know where you're at, and I didn't know that. You know, in the minor leagues, you know, if you're not playing that day, you're probably not gonna right. Play, you can right, but way way different in the big leagues. All right, what is your favorite moment that's taken place? off of the field with teammates? Favorite moment? Oh, man. You know, probably just I don't have anything that's coming to the top of my mind. But I will tell you, um, just like gatherings, getting together at like houses. Like my my 21st birthday was in high A, and the guys threw like a really cool pool party for me, (laughs) which was super special, something I always remember. Um, but I'll tell you a funny story. When I was in the, in rookie ball, we, we used to eat at a place called Ponderosa. Of course, I know that's Ponderosa. What was paid for. You know Ponderosa, right? You, you know the grind. Prestigious. So we're at Ponderosa and there's like five of us. We're sitting, enjoying a meal. And obviously the guys get me laughing. And there's a table directly in front of me. There's two boys. They're probably eight, nine years old. And they, the, the guys got me laughing. These two boys are up on their chair and they're just like pointing at me <laughs> and they're, they're dying laughing, right? Like they're up on their chairs, like bouncing, doing the kid like laughing, right? And the mom says, stop, he has a problem. <laughs> and I just like got so embarrassed. I'm like, guys, we gotta, we gotta go. We gotta head out. But uh, no, I mean, so many just... The camaraderie is probably my favorite part of playing professional baseball. You know that. Getting to know guys, hanging out with the guys. Yeah. So. <laughs> he has a problem. Incredible. Um, all right. So <clears throat> before I let you go, I, I have to ask about Game 4 World Series. I'm doing the watch party here with Fox. It's me, Nick Swisher, Tino Martinez, Rick Ankiel. We're doing a watch party. That happens. We go, like, we freak out. We're running around the room. I look back, and you're, like, airplaning in the outfield. Did you black out in that moment, or were you, like, airplane? This is my, this is my time. <laughs> I'm airplaning right now. You know, everyone's like, where did the airplane come from? And it's not like I was sitting on deck saying, once I hit this walk-off <laughs> single and Chris Taylor's going to make an error and then Will Smith's going to make an error, I'm going to airplane in the outfield, right? Like, no, that didn't happen. So – when I saw that Randy scored, the helmet flip was a necess- was was like you had to right. flip the helmet, right? <laughs> like flipping bats, flipping helmets, you had to do that. And then straight into the airplane. I don't know where that came from, but like my kid, inner kid came out extra. Like it always comes out <laughs> on a daily basis. But that was like in the backyard moment, like 
airplaning around the field, like just enjoying myself. And I wasn't going to stop until I felt like my body told me to stop. I probably, if, if I could have gone longer, I probably would have gone longer, but just running out in the outfield, my hair, you know, flying back, like, like John boy said, like a majestic bird out there flying around. Um, but yes, I almost passed out literally after the fact, after they dogpiled me, I was already out of breath. And you've probably heard this before in an interview, but like, it was the first time ever having to get an IV because I was a super dehydrated so quickly. Like I'm, I sent my body into shock and my resting heart rate was like 170, which is like your, your active cardio heart rate. So you legitimately, your body <laughs> and, went into shock. Yeah, I literally forced my body into shock through excitement. And it's so, like, so embarrassing, but funny at the same time that, like, the first time I've needed an IV in my life was because I was excited. It's Well, it's literally a full circle moment for you because your body goes into shock from excitement. People in the stands are pointing at you, and moms go, no, honey, that kid has a problem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh touche man it's a full circle touche beignet full circle moment for you for sure um but yeah one of one of the coolest so i need to thank you because that was like the first thing i ever did with with fox because i had just finished playing not long prior and i'm doing that and, and that's that's a moment i will remember forever so thank you for giving me that moment Look at that, Ben, just from one interviewer to another, just giving each other love. That's what we've done. That's what we do. So thank you as That's, well. I that is that, that is what we do. But Brett, thank you so much for joining me, man. I'm serious. We got to do some, sir, some, sort of, some sort of jersey thing. I, I need my jersey hanging up next to your. When I think Brett, Brett Phillips game four hero jersey, where is it? I picture my jersey right next to you. So. Um, <laughs> thank you ben thanks for having me of man course, it's man. been a pleasure i'm looking forward to to shooting the breeze with you we gotta go we gotta hang out here we soon. do man so for sure come back on anytime you're now a friend of the show uh loved having you man and, and good luck good luck this season I'll, I'll talk to you soon peace and love my man peace buddy thanks all right and i wanted to thank brett phillips again for joining me look the pitching story was incredible my favorite story from his was just him coming in as a pitcher this year, and I said it off the top of the show, many people have been calling him the Shohei Otani of the East Coast. And I don't know who those other people are, but I know I am. I'm calling him the Shohei Otani of the East Coast because he's an absolute legend. So thanks again to Brett Phillips for joining me, and let's get right in to our hotline questions where you guys can call in and be a part of the show. So call 213 537-9339. This is one of my favorite segments because you guys get to be involved, and I love that. So, John, hit me with our voicemail question. Hello, Ben. My name is Pablo Avila. You've actually answered some of my questions before when I brought up the Astros, but my question to you tonight is, what traits do you think around the league as a whole would make the biggest impact on the team in getting their opportunity to win the World Series? Uh, thank you for asking. Uh, the question was which trades around the league can make the biggest impact and give a team a chance to win the World Series. So when I think of that, which trade can make the biggest impact, I think of teams that are already close, that are already really good teams that are like a piece away from winning. So I, I look at teams like 
Let's look at the San Diego Padres. I think the Padres are an outfielder away from being able to, to be a World Series team. I think if they were to add a Joey Gallo type of player, that immediately makes them a favorite to win it all. They have the pitching rotation. They have, now that they, they just added Adam Frazier yesterday, they have a great team. I think they're an outfielder away from being a full, complete team. And then I look at a team like, let's say, the Chicago White Sox. Great rotation, great offense, but I've heard Tony La Russa say this, we need a guy to bridge the gap to Liam Hendricks at the back end of the bullpen. So let me toss this idea at you. What if they went and got a guy like Craig Kimbrell and have Kimbrell and Hendricks as 8-9 guys? What a duo that would be at the back end of the bullpen. So thank you for calling and asking. That's what I look at. That's what I look at for, for trades that could immediately make an impact and make a team a World Series team. Also, a guy like Craig Kimbrell going to the Astros. I think Craig Kimbrell is going to be a huge, huge piece that is dealt here in the next few days. And a team like the Astros could use him perfectly. Great offense, good pitching, but they're one piece away in that bullpen from winning a World Series. So... Thank you for calling and asking. I appreciate it. 213-537-9339 is that number to call in where you guys get to be a part of the show. So thank you for calling and thank you for that question. All right, guys, and now it is time for my favorite segment that we have here this week in Shohei Otani News. And we got some exciting news for you this week. We found ourselves a presenting sponsor, Mattress Firm. And this segment is actually brought to you by Mattress Firm. So talk to an expert and unjunk your sleep today. Look, I'm not kidding you guys. I am so excited about this partnership because I actually switched to Mattress Firm fairly recently and my sleep got a hundred times better after I made the switch. So I'm serious. If you want better sleep, switch over to Mattress Firm and check them out. But let's get into this week in Shohei Otani news. And I want to start with his second half of the season because it wasn't the fastest start. It wasn't what we were, what we were used to with Shohei Otani. He got off to a little bit of a slower start. And I heard you guys, but he went 0 for 11 with seven strikeouts. You know what he's done? And I'm here to tell you why this hasn't been a struggle. His average from where he was at the All-Star break has dropped one point. One point. Now, I get it. He wasn't showing the power numbers that we were all used to right away. But you know what he was doing? He was beating out infield singles and getting doubles, hitting laser beam doubles in the gap. And that is what makes Shohei Otani different. That's what makes him different. He has the ability, when he's not hitting balls over the fence, to beat out singles. And that's what makes him special. Not only does he hit balls 500 feet, he's really, really fast. So he wasn't struggling, guys. He really wasn't. And then we get to Sunday. We get to Sunday, and Shohei Otani hits his 35th home run of the year. And it got me to thinking, 35 home runs to this point in the year is a lot. It got me to thinking, who else has done that? And you know what it turned up? Shohei Otani is the sixth player since 2000 to have 35 or more home runs. And guess who is on this list? This list is special. It's Shohei Otani now, Albert Pujols, Barry Bonds, Christian Yelich, 
Chris Davis, when he was having that year that was the most ridiculously incredible year of all time, and Luis Gonzalez. Barry Bonds is on this list twice. One year he had 45, which is just <laughs> comical. And then he had 35 another year. So Shohei Otani is the sixth player since 2000 to have 35-plus home runs in his team's first 98 games. That's special, man. Not to mention, not to mention he's doing all this while not playing near as many games as them because for a while when he was pitching, he wasn't hitting. So he has less ABs and he's doing this. Just incredible. While he's also pitching. Wow. And speaking of his pitching, let's talk about the outing he had this past week. I heard the noise when he had that blow-up start in New York against the Yankees. Oh, he should stop pitching. He should just be hitting. Wrong. Let's talk about his outings since against the Red Sox and then this, this most recent start against the Oakland A's. Dominant, guys. Absolutely dominant starts on the mound. Throws six innings, doesn't give up a run, punches out nine guys. His splitter is back. He's throwing 100. It's just incredible what he's out there on the mound doing. He did the same thing against the Red Sox. These lineups are great. The Boston Red Sox lineup, who's leading the AL East, the Oakland A's, who are in second place in the AL West, are a really good team. And he's going out there and just dominating. In his first start back from the All-Star game, he dominates. Look, you, you, you guys saw what he did in the All-Star game. He went out there and he hit 100. He went out there and he hit 100 in the All-Star game. So look, those first few games out of the All-Star break, we didn't get what we had seen all in the first half from Shohei Otani. But you know what? That's okay because I wouldn't consider him struggling. His average didn't drop at all. His batting average didn't drop. But you know what he did in the All-Star game that makes this start to the second half even more impressive? He participated in the home run derby. He was the starting pitcher for the American League, and he led off for the American League. And he actually talked about it in the press conference before the game. He said, I know this is a lot. This is a lot to do, but I want to do it. I want to do it for Japan. I want to make them proud. I want to do it for the entertainment of the game. And it was so entertaining. But it is tiring. It is tiring. And he comes out of the second half a little slower than we were all used to, but still getting his hits. And then Sunday, he hits a bomb that you can't tell me was any less than 600 feet. An absolute bomb. His first start back, he has an incredible outing. He, the team didn't end up winning, but he didn't get the loss because he didn't give up a run. It's hard to get the loss when you don't give up a run. Fun fact, you can't get the loss if you don't give up a run. So he had a dominant outing, uh, and then he hits the bomb on Sunday. That puts him in elite territory. I mean, I mean elite territory. Look at these names. Barry Bonds, Luis Gonzalez, Christian Yelich. Are you kidding me? These names are elite. And he is now on that list, the sixth player since 2000 to be on that list. Absolutely incredible. So let's talk about the giveaway. I didn't forget. We've been doing a giveaway since I went to the Angels game on bobblehead night. And I got myself this Shohei Otani bobblehead. And I wanted to give it away to you guys. I wanted to give back to you guys. I know how much a lot of you guys also love Shohei Otani because I love Shohei Otani so much. And I wanted to give back. I wanted to give this away. 
And we did pick ourselves a winner, and it is going to Kim Tom Mama. And he is actually in Japan. So I'm really excited about this. Kim Tom Mama wins the giveaway. We will be shipping this to Tokyo. This bad boy is going over to Japan. Look, I'm so excited about this. He entered the giveaway. And one thing that I noted from, uh, from his selection, we, we randomly picked the name, he wins. And then I went and saw his tweet. And he said, I love this show. I love Shohei Otani. And I'm learning English from watching this show. How cool is that? I feel so awesome about sending this away uh, and giving this back to you guys who are also becoming equally as big a Shohei Otani fans as I am because you can't be more of a fan. You just can't. It's not possible. Uh, so this is going out to Tokyo. Thank all of you guys that participated in the giveaway and voted five stars on the, uh, on the podcast app. And make sure you're still checking it out and voting five stars because we will be doing more and more giveaways like this. But that does it for this week in Shohei Otani news. All right, and now we are getting into a fun little segment, a little in or out type of segment. Who's in the playoffs? Who is out of the playoffs? And I'm going to bring in my producer, Conrad, to feed me some of these teams, and I'll say who is in, who is out, and why I think that. So, Conrad, what do you got for me, my man? Hey, man, first one we have up is the New York Yankees, currently 51-47 and and third in the AL East. So they're third in the AL East. I'm going to say the Yankees are out. I haven't loved what the Yankees have been putting out there. There's been nothing this year that says the New York Yankees are going to be a playoff team. And I was high on the Yankees. I thought they would win the division. But they continually prove they're not a great team. And their bullpen is blowing games. Chapman's not the same pitcher at the back end of the bullpen. And when they do put the pitching together, the offense doesn't score any runs. They're not putting it together as a team. I don't like the way they're playing. And I do not think the New York Yankees make the playoffs. All right, next up, we have the Toronto Blue Jays, currently 49 and 46, and they are fourth in the AL East. Look, I'm going to take the Blue Jays to, to make the playoffs here. I'm going to take them to squeak into a wild card spot. Currently, the Oakland A's are in that second wild card spot. I'm not a huge believer in the Oakland A's, and this could come back to bite me because they always do the same thing every year where they go on this. 30 game winning streak to end the year and squeak into the playoffs. I just don't believe that's them this year. And I love the Blue Jays lineup. Love it. And they're heading back to Toronto to play some home games for the first time in two years they'll be playing in Toronto. I think that gives them a little jolt of energy. I think the trade deadline, they go out and get a bullpen piece that they desperately, desperately need, a pitcher somewhere, and they squeak in to the wild card spot. So I'm going to take the Blue Jays in. Going with the young guns. Next up is we have those Oakland Athletics, currently 56 and 45 and second in the AL West. So obviously I, I'm taking them out. Um, they are in that second wild card spot right now. But I, look, I, I just don't believe in them. I, I don't think this lineup is great. Obviously they, they always pitch well, but I saw I saw what their their organization said either today or yesterday. They said we were going to focus on the bullpen. That's our trade deadline focus. That's our main focus here. They need more than that. They, they need offense. They need, they need help elsewhere. 
And if they're not going to go get that, I don't love these guys. I don't love them to get into the playoffs. And I think a team that can make a move and has the offense to win a bunch of games is going to squeak up and can and can push them out of that second wild card spot. So Oakland A's out. So who would be your five teams in the playoffs for the AL? So in the American League, I'm going to take the Red Sox, the White Sox, the Astros, the Rays as that as one of those wild card teams, and then the Blue Jays. I'm going to take the Blue Jays this weekend, and the Blue Jays and the Rays are going to be those two wild card teams. Got it. Let's move on to the NL now. The Atlanta Braves, currently 48 and 50, <laughs> third in the NL East. Uh, this is such a tough one, man. I, I, I picked the Braves to win the World Series before this year started, and they weren't playing great. Um, and then, obviously, some, some big losses that, that have happened along the way with Acuna being out for the year, Mike Soroka not going to be back, and then everything that went down with Ozuna, he's not going to play this year. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say the Atlanta Braves are out. I'm going to say they're out just because I, 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 think, I, think the, I think the Mets are going to go ahead in this division and make some moves. Steve Cohen has, has shown he's going to make moves. He doesn't care. Money's not an option. He's going to make those moves, and I'm going to take, take the Braves out. We're going to stick with it going in the Philadelphia Phillies, 49-49, and 49, currently second in the NL East. Look, the Phillies are a talented team. But, but like, I, like I said, I think the Mets are going to go for it in this division. I think Steve Cohen is going to acquire somebody big, uh, maybe even a potentially like Chris Bryant at third base. And I think the Mets hang on and win that division. And it, it's, it's been a weird division. And a lot of these teams are talented. The Braves have talent. The Phillies have talent. And I think the Mets are going to go for it. And they have a good little lead in that, in that division right now. And I think they hold on. And the problem with these other teams is why I'm saying the Braves are out and why I'm taking the Phillies out is because of the start they got off to with the year. They're not, their record isn't good enough to this point to say they have potential to squeak into a wild card spot because both of those teams, the Phillies are sitting at 500 and the Braves are under 500. So unless you're winning that division in the NL East, you're not going to make the playoffs. So I'm taking Braves and Phillies both out. Got it. Moving on. We're going to go to the Cincinnati Reds, currently 51 and 48, second in the Central. I would I would love to take the Reds in. I love I think they're fun. We just had Nick Castellanos on. He was great. We've had Wade Miley on who threw a no-hitter, but I can't do it. I can't do it because the Milwaukee Brewers are that good in that division. They're running away with it. They're a bunch of games up. And I just I, I I don't believe in the Reds pitching. I don't believe they have the pitching to win down the stretch. So I'm I'm gonna take I'm gonna take them out. Got it. A lot of no's. Next up and last up, the San Diego Padres, currently 58 and 44, but they're third in the NL West. The Padres, who are third in the NL West, are in. Now I'm glad we, I'm glad you asked about the Padres because this this explains why I've taken those other teams out. Because the Padres have that path to, to be a wild card spot. So I believe the Padres are really good. I, they just got Adam Frazier. They've said they're going to add before the deadline ends. So in these next couple of days, look for the Padres to add some pieces. I could see them adding an outfield piece. They've said they want to go get a pitcher. I believe not only are the Padres in, I believe the Padres could make a push to win this division. But... The reason I'm taking all these other teams out is because of this NL West. I believe the Giants, 
the Dodgers and the Padres are all going to make the, the playoffs from the NL West. So that leaves, if you're looking at the NL as a whole, that leaves the Mets to win their division, the Brewers to win their division, and then the three wild card team, the, the three other teams in the playoffs are all going to come from the NL West, the Giants, the Dodgers, and the Padres, in my opinion. So, Conrad, thank you for joining me doing a little who's in, who's out. We did a lot of out because, look, that's, I really believe those teams are going to struggle to make the wild card that we talked about because you have your answers in the wild card, in my opinion. In my opinion, you have your wild card teams established in the National League, and they're going to come from the West. The National League West is where those wild card teams are going to come from. And the AL is going to be so fun down the stretch. I am so excited for this stretch down the American League into the, you know, as we push towards the playoffs, I do believe the Rays are a team that is, is going to be a playoff team. And that addition for Nelson Cruz from them is huge. So I think the Rays are a team. And like I said, he hit me with the Blue Jays. And I'm going to take the Blue Jays as the team that squeaks in to that second wild card spot. All right, everyone. And before we close out the show, I wanted to go to a segment called Extra Innings, where I just find a topic that I just like to talk about from the week that was something that really catches my attention you know what it was this past week charlie freeman the son of freddie freeman who at the beginning of the year this started a while ago beginning of the year when freddie freeman wasn't playing great baseball charlie freeman goes to his dad and says dad i need you to make the all-star game so i can meet fernando tatis jr and freddie freeman goes is that the only reason you want me to make the all-star game and charlie goes yeah yeah, it is. So fast forward to him propelling his dad, who's the best dad ever, who ends up going on to make the All-Star game. I can only assume just because Charlie wanted him to meet Fernando Tatis. So fast forward to the All-Star game where it happens. Charlie, Charlie Freeman got to meet Fernando Tatis, and there were some videos posted by, by his mom at the All-Star game with Charlie walking off the plane, walking around the hotel, looking for Fernando Tatis. And then it finally happens at the All-Star game in the dugout. They met, they took that picture together. But that's not where this story ends. Right after the All-Star game, the Padres go to play the Atlanta Braves in Atlanta. Who's there? Charlie Freeman is there, sitting right behind home plate. Fernando Tatis comes out on deck, actually finds him sitting there, and they wave to each other, and Charlie gets so excited. It was such a cool moment to see. It's just, look, we can, we can talk about what happens on the field all day. I love baseball. I love talking about baseball. I love talking about what's happening on the field. But it's moments like these that make a difference, that really make me happy. And right after that game where they waved to each other on the field, Fernando Tatis signed a jersey for Charlie Freeman, and Freddie gave it to him in the garage after the day, and they posed with it. And it's just such a feel-good story. So <laughs> it's just so awesome for all parts involved here. Kudos to Fernando Tatis for being the guy he is and embracing this. Awesome for Charlie Freeman and Freddie Freeman and, and just everybody involved. So what a feel-good moment that I wanted to end this week's show with. And that does it for this week's episode of Flippin' Bats. Thank you guys so much for joining and being a part of this week's conversation where I talk to Brett Phillips, an absolute legend, a hilarious guy. So thank you for checking it out. Make sure you're subscribing to our podcast on Spotify, on, on Apple Podcasts. you got to rate it five stars there. So if you're listening on Apple Podcasts right now, 
rate it five stars. Make sure you're following on so all social medias, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. It comes out via video on YouTube. So thank you guys again for listening, and I'll see you next time on Flipping Bats. It's a blowout. He swings and it's a high fly ball, deep center field, it is gone, home run, and a huge backflip to celebrate.